Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Soul Sisters. Hey Jesse. Hey Dara. <laughs> How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. I think this closet's making us a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Since we started recording the podcast in the tiny, tiny archive library in the Billboard office, um, the oxygen supply has been low. Yeah. I think I enjoy this space a little more than you do. In general, I feel like it's kind of like has a special vibe. We're in the archive closet, I call it. Which is, I think, what I just said at Billboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because sometimes you call it a library, and I was like, where's the oh, library? Well, we call it a library, because it is a library for us. It's all old archival billboards. Yeah. Um, These big old books, like encyclopedias. No, I like it. It's cute. They're, uh, they're going to make it even nice, nicer and spiffier for us. Yeah. And um, I'll start wearing short sleeves when we record in here, so I can stop sweating wow, I'm throughout cold. every episode. <laughs> um, different creatures. I'm also feverish. It's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so today's episode was with Elena Moore from Tennis. Yes. And we were laughing while we started recording this because you and I had been recording an intro for someone else who was on the show earlier, but it was like right before Elena was coming in. And in that intro, I remember asking you like, hey, it's like, what are you listening to these days? As like our casual conversation. And I was supposed to say. What were you supposed to say? Like Drake? Oh, we we're gonna talk about we were Drake. We're talking Drake, right? But and because I was you had tennis on the brain, because Elena was coming in, you just immediately go tennis. <laughs> I truly had not stopped listening to tennis nonstop because they're so, so good. They're so good, and yeah. I've been a fan since 2011. Mm -hmm. Since I met Elena uh, in Nebraska, of all places, in Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, this is in the other part of your life, which is as a documentarian. Yeah, who follows and follows other musicians. Follows other musicians, and at that time, I was following a rapper, still Kosha. Am, kind of Kosha Dills. What's up, Kosha? And it's the, like the most unlikely pairing, Kosha Dills, this like kind of Jewish, kind of humorous rap with tennis. Yeah, which is <laughs> like, they, how would you describe tennis? Tennis is like kind of like, like retro. indie rock, retro, like lo-fi, indie cool rock, folk indie rock. rock. Yeah, and so it was the most bizarre. It was our last night of our tour. I was on two weeks of tour with him, and this was the last night together of me documenting him, like mostly with like Vans Warp Tour kinds of you know that kind of music. And here we are in Omaha, Nebraska, and he plays, and then it's tennis. And they were pretty new; they were like six months old at that time. Um, and I was just totally enamored, totally like ran up on Elena and interviewed her and mm -hmm. caught her 
rapping, which you'll hear in the podcast. We kind of play this little YouTube video of her rapping. Some rapping from (laughs) Sister Act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we wish that she had no, it's, it's too that good she to freestyle. Up, yeah. Yeah. No, she's so cool. So um, cool. This was such a good conversation that we had with her. It was super feministy, which mm-hmm. you know I love. To yeah. Get into on Soul Sisters. We hit all the super right soul notes. sisters. Yeah. She's dope. This yeah. was a great one. Mm-hmm. So all right, here you go, guys. Enjoy Elena Moore from Tennis. We gave you the best one, but <laughs> we try, we try. Yeah. Last night during our show, I took my mic out of the stand and I unplugged the whole. It just like came out. Really? Of a, like of the like cable? The, or the... But not the one to my microphone, the one to the end of the snake. So I didn't know where it went to. Oh, and I just like turned off my vocals in the middle of the show. And I was like, sorry. And so a technician had to like climb down and like figure out. Oh, I was there. It. You were there last I night? I did not understand that's what was happening. But mm-hmm. now it all makes sense. You were there last night. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was there. Well, my mic cable was like three feet long. And yeah. I always go to center stage and they just misunderstood. And oh, so no. it wasn't long enough to go. So I started walking and I was like, yoink. And I took it out of the wall and they were like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm sorry. So were vocals yeah. just missing for part of the song? No, I just no, no, no. You had an awkward yeah. minute, and I made everyone chant the uh, monitor guy's name until he came down and fixed it. Oh, that's it. perfect. But I was like, sorry, guys. <laughs> well, you handled it very gracefully. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fine. Um, I do better when things are going wrong, but I don't like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Better for things to go well. Mm-hmm. But it was awesome to see a packed house, like sold-out show at Bowery. Yeah, yeah. We have always had amazing shows at Bowery, but this is the first time we've had two nights in a row at Bowery, which is really That's fun. That's exciting. Yeah, that so. feels like a mile. The band that plays like two nights in one place, it's like, oh. Uh-huh. That's for real. Yeah. We couldn't fit it all in at once. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. You get all the fans in one night. Spread them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, the first time I saw you... Wait, wait, can, okay. I, can we do the reveal? Oh, okay, sure. Okay. We have a special reveal for you. <laughs> I'm excited. On the computer. <laughs> Yay. You I, have, I'm curious if you'll, this if will, this be, will ring a bell. For you. Okay. okay. <clears throat> How, Does that so name far? ring a bell? <laughs> it's ringing a lot of bells. Okay. Really? Here we go. I might know. I already knew where you were going with this. Who is beatboxing? And you guys. Uh, <laughs> you remember this? Yeah, this is Sister Act 2. This is the only rap I know. I knew it. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Hill. Good. You're good. Yeah, I was documenting Kosha Dills, and this was the last stop on his tour, mm-hmm. was in Omaha, Nebraska. Threw him on the bill with tennis, a seamless the most fit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she this got you. hilarious like, rapper. This whole video interviewing you at and, the show. Oh my God, and your best amazing. friend, who was your tour manager. Lydia. Yeah. And yeah, you'd yeah. been on the road, you'd been at mm-hmm. this for about six months at the time or uh-huh. something like that. Yes. And absolutely. Here you are six years later. As soon as I saw the Kosha Dills thing, I knew you were going to say you were in Omaha because <laughs> that was the best part is when he was like, trying to like hype the crowd for us and he's like I say 10 you say is <laughs> 10 oh my is. god yep that sounds like so I was like I'll never from forget there this to night sold out at Bowery right and now we're covering 
all the history Oh, here. my God. This is really amazing. And actually, my <laughs> best friend who you met, um, I was just texting with her last night. She just got engaged, and we're, like, making sure that I am not on tour for her wedding. Yeah. So, that's that's yeah, important. Full circle. Yeah, you, all yeah. these humans. Yeah. I had a pair of Koshadil sweatpants, actually. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> Well, was, he was really yeah, funny because he was like, yeah, he's like, we were all like, oh, yeah, we want these sweats. And he was like, amazing, we did a merch trade. And then he was like, cool, that'll be 30 bucks. And we're like, okay, <laughs> I hear ya. Everyone's got to make some money here. Does that sound accurate? <laughs> Absolutely. He's definitely known as, he's a hustler, the, right? as the hardest hustler in yeah. the hip-hop mm-hmm. game, for sure. But it was just an odd pairing then. But I remember, I mean, I was an instant fan, and I'm just so curious how... I mean, it's it's the biggest question. It's the full circle question of how you feel, you know, being a new newer performer, newer band then, and now here you are. Um, I yeah. feel exactly the same. <laughs> Just less like I'm going to pass out from anxiety right before a show. That's I feel, good. yeah, it's like that's very important. Yeah, I want to ask um, you about performing because I think I've read that it's not your favorite part nope. of the job no it's definitely um, not and so like how does it feel when you're performing to a packed house of people who are so psyched and are singing along to your songs is that when mixed emotions I, when you? I get that feeling uh-huh. um, it's like that makes the show really really easy and you're and it's just very surreal and you're like how am I this is crazy how am yeah. I doing this this is bizarre um, but when we first started um, you know it's like smaller more like I mean, I feel like we've been playing, like, hipster shows all the years, which are lovely. I'm a hipster. I'm not trying to make a <laughs> distinction here. Yeah. Um, but um, to compare and contrast, like, we did a tour with Haim. Mm-hmm. And when they would walk out, their fans are just, like, screaming their guts out. I love you. you they could do, they could do like, a hair flip, like, right. turn an amp on. One step to the left, everyone screams. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what you do, everyone screams. Everyone loves every second. I'm like, well, that's easy. Yeah, I mean, you're just like, hey, hey, whatever, right. and everyone loves you. And for like our, you know, more like discretionary crowds or whatever, you know, they would just be like, you know, impress me. Right. Right. <laughs> and I would be like, I can't. <laughs> I've got nothing. Um, so it's taken a that's long funny. time to feel like um I, I don't know, maybe it's, like, a tipping point of scale, like, when there's so many people, the energy yeah. gets bigger, yeah. like, the bigger the crowds or whatever. But Right. I don't know if it's a hipster thing. It's interesting that you attribute it to that. Because I also I feel like that's just like kind of that. a threshold of any newer act. And then Probably that once too. you get over that, mm-hmm. then you could, like, sip your coffee and people will lose their shit. Yeah. Because totally. they love you. So they <laughs> yeah. want to see you Because when, when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, I could play shows a lot if it was like that. Because right. it's not <laughs> nearly as taxing. So it is yeah. the nerves. It's the idea that oh, they're not going to, they don't respond. They're not going to love me. I, well, I don't even, this is going to sound, I don't care. I don't, I don't need them to love right. me. But I, I don't want, I want them to have a nice time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. The real thing is, I I don't know, it just feels so... St- okay, here's what it is. So I grew up singing only in church, and it was, like, actually a really amazing, like, very spiritual experience. As a, I was a very, very, like, invested spiritual person. My father is a minister, my grandfather is a minister, and I'm no longer religious anymore. But those experiences of music as communal, shared, like, almost, like, metaphysical experiences really um lingered with me and is part of my connection to music because it's it's connects you to something ineffable essentially it does what words can't and um so I it was drilled into my head that 
when I'm on stage singing in church, it's about an experience of God, not about you. Mm. So I would always have my eyes closed. I would never do anything to draw attention to myself. So it was not performative. Not performative. And if it was, you would be lectured. Mm. And I would be lectured if I just like got too into it. Wow. And it got like, and they would be like, I'm glad you're into it, but don't draw attention to yourself. This is not about yeah. any of us. We're just like a, we're just like a conduit for an experience of God, basically. Wow. What and kind of Christian church um it's like evangelical okay, christian okay. like non-denominational pretty chill like we had an electric band this was how i learned how to be in a band uh -huh, was yeah. in my church so uh -huh. but um, because of that kind of attitude and approach yes. to it you didn't imagine being in a band i literally can't turn it off it's ingrained into me and yeah, so i'll i'll notice i'll be like oh five songs have gone by and i haven't opened my eyes i haven't acknowledged anyone and it's not because i'm like anti the Hipster. audience yeah or anything <laughs> and it, or like you know it's just that like that's how i experience music it's like deep deep down and internal and when i try to do things that are like you know hey yeah. uh, for those of you listening you can't see but i'm awkwardly shaking my shoulders i don't know um i um it, it always feels disingenuous, and I just but, can't. Yeah, that's interesting because it it's almost like to enjoy it too much is a matter mm -hmm. of shame, a little bit. Right? And it's not even to enjoy it; it's to like act it out visibly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, right. I, the way I learned to enjoy music was inside, yeah, not right putting on a display. And I think from even the very beginning, like that's been what your fans have, in addition to the sound, have responded to as far as because. Tennis is such an aesthetic in addition to a musical sound. And I I respond to that in the sense that, like, I, I feel that from you. I understand that. And I think that you... That's a huge relief. <laughs> you put a lot of emphasis on the... The, the visual but not in a in a performative way in a in a like in a more aesthetic colorful kind of vibey way mm -hmm. and I think your fans have always sort of gotten that from you well I appreciate that because my other deepest like just weirdly personal fear is just having my intentions misconstrued mm. even like in high school or growing up or anything it would like kill me if people would like misread me or whatever and I feel that so much with the art that we make when people don't take away like whatever I was trying to convey I feel like I failed immensely and mm -hmm. I have that fear with me when I'm on stage of like you know and and it's hard and I'm trying to push past it and I'm realizing that the more just like authentically myself I am which is like just this person um which is how I felt like I was last night when like stupid technical things <laughs> go wrong or like that guy who wouldn't stop clapping oh yeah you called him out it was amazing yeah <laughs> he also barged into the green room later that night Whoa. yeah and he wasn't mean or anything he was just like sup and just like wandering <laughs> around like he like literally like he owned the place and I had to have him kicked out wow yeah, yeah. does that happen often where fans sort of cross the line if the green room isn't carefully guarded it's lately been happening that they just which it is at bowery what You're carefully bowery? guarded it's it, upstairs it you is to, like go yeah. through a door and, i think it was just an accident i think he <laughs> thought that guy People? was so confident that yeah. he really thought that he was like with the mm -hmm. some of our like crew or something so maybe so, you've become too approachable <laughs> i which is i'd rather err on the side of approachability always totally, yeah. but yeah that's happened a few times where people just come walking in and i'm always like how are you this like 
bold. Ballsy. I would <laughs> never, even though this is like my career, even if they were my friends and right. I knew yeah. who was back there, I wouldn't walk in. I would be yeah. like texting, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I've, you know, can I say I, I would even feel <laughs> terrible to do that. Right. So, yeah, just difference in yeah. personality, I guess. But I love that you engaged with him, and that, that is a great way where you can be very present on stage that doesn't um, conflict with how you feel about performing the music, yeah. but in the in-betweens. And, like, when you came back on, I think, before the encore, you said something about, like, you joked about having just taken a nap, yeah. which I thought was so amazing and relatable, because that's, like, totally how I would feel if I was on stage, like, completely drained, and, like, I need to go away and lie down for a second. I'll be right back. Yeah, just yeah. powered up. Yeah, so you're great at that stuff. Thanks. Yeah. That's great. Sometimes when I make jokes, I've had a few like really good ones, and people are just like, "Huh," because it's not framed in the comedy. <laughs> I'm like, "This yeah. isn't fair." If it was, if you thought you were like seeing comedy, you'd be like, "Oh, I get. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm supposed right. to laugh now." But right. context, well, I think be. that's another. I'm so drawn to your videos, um, and I feel like a lot of the personality and the the context for that humor almost would come from watching your videos. I don't, you know, I haven't seen you perform live in a while, but. Um, there you is saw like, the best show ever, apparently. <laughs> in Nebraska, in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> um, but there is like a definite sort of like unique sense of humor that you have that I don't know if that's like a conscious thing that drives you. Um, well, I'm curious, the process of coming up with the videos, is it like simultaneous to coming up with the music? You're like, I see this as a visual sort of river or is it like, does it come separately? Um, I've, I've spoken with people who always have like a visual aspect to their music and I do not. Um, I'm like purely auditory, um, but I love film. So I'll just think like, um, basically anything David Lynch or David Cronenberg, weirdly. I, I love like the weird, like body horror mm -hmm. of Cronenberg stuff. Um, I also, I love just like horror. It's like as a genre. Um, so, um, yeah, I will more just imagine like an aesthetic that would like not distract from the song essentially and mm -hmm. I, I I try to veer away from it doing anything that's like a literal interpretation of the songs and um the the videos have actually been a challenge it's like when we first started being abandoned like around the time when you saw us I had no idea what was required to promote record I'm like the songs aren't enough and it was like a continual ask we need more artwork we need more press photos we need more videos and I felt like totally thrown and I was just like what do you need from me I've given you a record like how's that not enough <laughs> and so now it's now that I understand what's required I can put forethought and schedule time out for that and now it's like a joy to make and I really loved making the videos for this record we did them all ourselves with our friend mm -hmm. Luca Venter and They're it was really fun super low budget like not stressful done in a day um whatever so I've really enjoyed that it, it's just cool like the kind of sound that you guys have cultivated could, with another band, come off as kind of manufactured, but it actually comes from the most organic place, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's all about you and Patrick and the life that you guys have together and the music that's inspired by that, and you, like, make videos with your friends, and I think that's why it's able to cross over and, like, borrow from the past, make it feel new, make it feel very authentic, even though it might, like, mm -hmm. harken back to some other things, mm -hmm. remind you of other things. Yeah. It's like, you've kind of found that sweet spot. I, I think, and I think what it is is that Patrick and I both have such actually divergent taste in music mm -hmm. that... Um, like, what's I, an example? Well, like, 
I love top 40. Okay. I love, you know, and you're in the right place. Yeah. Like immensely. Like I was just listening to like Ariana Grande Uh and whatever. And Pat is like, well, I actually like almost everything that Pat likes. Maybe it's just like he really, really, really loves Bruce Springsteen and Phil Collins. Okay. Like, and I like them. Right. But I don't <laughs> and love he might them. not be listening to Ariana Grande. He won't. Okay. Yeah. To there it. we go. <laughs> but for him, he doesn't sing or like write songs. He does uh-huh. production. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even hear what like a badass bitch Ariana Grande is. He right. just hears like. <laughs> All the production. Auto-tune and, like, stylistic choices that he's like, right. ugh, I would never record like that. That's all he's – he's not listening to, like, songs. And that's right. the difference. So our taste, we have, like, a narrow overlap, like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that is where tennis gets to be. Yeah. And that's why it has, awesome. like, a distinct thing is because it's the only place where there's enough mutually agreed upon aesthetic that uh-huh. it works for us. Oh, that's right. cool. So like it that. sounds like tennis will stick to the sound that, you know, is free mm-hmm. of sort of – synths and computer music and anything that's not just like a live instrument played. Right, and it's not that we don't like those things, it's just not where our band works best, I don't think. So, yeah, yeah. kind of like 60s, 70s, just like analog style production is mm-hmm. just what Pat and I like to do. Maybe one day one of us will have side projects and we can venture out into other things. So, right. yeah. And I love the fact that you're writing these songs. So many of them are about the experience of being a woman. And then when I see you guys perform on stage, he is like, he basically looks like he's bowing to you through a lot of the show. Oh, it's I just like fucking that's awesome. nice. Yeah, that's He's like nice. hunched over his guitar mm-hmm. and just kind of like looking over at you while you're like doing your thing. It's such a great dynamic. That's lovely. Yeah. The other thing that I'm grateful for is that I can write such like feminine songs or like content, essentially like mm-hmm. my experience of womanhood and right. then see like such an even mix of gender at our shows. And like yeah. Spotify and everything confirms it's basically like 50 50 oh, really? male and female. And I, Patrick and I take that as a sign of our equal cooperation yeah. to like mm-hmm. make music that yeah. meets both of our needs and experiences um, that that's connecting, which is amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I really classify it for myself. I, I, you know, who needs labels and genres and all of that. But for me, it does feel like a rock and roll band. And yeah. not a pop band. Yeah. And I th- I've, like, read a bunch of stuff that's, like, oh, they're, like, turning in, they're, like, pop. Are they firmly pop? It's, like, to me, the lack of any anything other than your, like, drums, guitar, keyboards, like, that, you're a rock band. Yeah. And that like sound, a I rock. think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Band setup, yeah. yeah like drums, guitar, bass, keys, vocals, yeah. Uh, yeah that's totally. rarer today, you know? Yeah, it just yeah like, but also to, to have a catalog that has a lot of songs about womanhood and that it's split 50-50. Yeah, that's, and, and that's, I guess, great. what I'm saying feels like maybe a rock, like... Yeah. Like something that comes from it being more this like classic sound as opposed to like a pop thing, which interesting. I'm for some reason you think it's more gender divisive. More, yeah, a little bit. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think all the time that our band is perceived in a gendered way. Um, like for example, I even in repeating interviews with like the same person who I talk to like every album cycle, I have this come up all the time where they'll say. I sing over top of the music and Pat writes everything. And I have I can't make it more clear that Patrick and I actually write separately and then we basically produce each other's songs. And so half the record is mine and half the record is his. Mm-hmm. And um, we, it's That's like so not a secret. Yeah, and yeah. every time it's like Elena There's sings, Patrick writes all the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a gendered perspective of our band. It happens all the time. I've noticed that people are, I'm not trying to say that our, my lyrics are like so powerful or deep or something or demanding of your attention like a Courtney Barnett song or Joni Mitchell or something like that, but I work hard to try to elevate like pop music to something like a little bit more reflective and a little bit more nuanced yeah. than the average like reductive emotional cataloging of a pop song would be mm-hmm. and I continually notice people not paying any attention to that and just writing like mm-hmm. light fluffy love mm-hmm. songs pop songs whatever and not noticing any of the work that I'm trying to do like and that your work has been evolving in that direction and getting yeah. more complex. Absolutely. I've yeah. pushed myself really, really hard to not settle for like the easiest rhymes about my emotional state uh-huh. and try to do something, go go a little bit deeper whenever possible. I don't want my lyrics to distract from the melodies because, again, my experience with music is 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 wordless. It's like kind of like primordial or something, you know, so that's the first layer that I want, mm-hmm. but then I want you to be able to peel it back and be like, yeah. oh, there's like a little extra in yeah. there. Kind of like a David Lynch movie. You can yeah. enjoy it superficially for yes. just being like beautiful and intriguing, but then there's all this symbolism underneath if you wanted to go there. So yeah, I definitely think that it's not, I I'm, I don't feel like, I don't want to complain about it or say we're like, underrated no, or anything I, think I just see it as a gender perception it's it. just because I'm a girl yeah I know that people are like just assuming that there's nothing else happening right yeah I mean there are a bunch of songs on the new album that I could pull out as examples but I'm yeah. wondering like what if there's a particular song that you would point to as an example of that for you where you feel like you really accomplished something in the songwriting that is new and newly complex um so two songs on the record that started as lyrics were ladies don't play guitar and my emotions are blinding and those are my little like feminist anthems (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm really proud of those songs especially lyrically they started off as lyrics first which I don't normally do I normally do melodies first but I really wanted to sing those exact words Mm -hmm. and it took me a long time to find melodies that served those 
Um, but they're both really catchy, so you did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, if I can talk about gender binary in the first verse of what is a single going to college radio, yes. then I feel like I'm doing a really job good job. Well done. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. What more could we ask for? Um, this is so goofy, but I was telling Dara before you came here that I went out to dinner with a friend of mine before the show last night. She and I got into a very heated debate about Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the new one yet. Have Me you neither, seen it? Okay. but I will, definitely. Right. Yeah. And, like, and we know the animated future. Okay, so my friend um, came up with this theory that Belle is not a feminist hero because she doesn't raise up other women around her. And that that is a qualifying aspect of being a feminist. Are there even any other women? Right. So that was my first counterpoint. She has no mother. You mean in in the film? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is it just Mrs. Potts? That's the that's the inherent problem with like asking that of a Disney character. Right. Okay. But like, let's take that aside. It is an interesting question. Like, is pursuing your own dream as a woman feminist enough, or do you need to do something to raise up other women around you? Which I mean is relevant to your I art. really like your friend's point. <laughs> I feel like it's a little invalidated by the Disney universe in which there are no yeah, other right, women right. to be raised. <laughs> but um, so, but yes, and I think that speaks to like this new iteration of feminism, which is much, much more useful and actually serves other women, not just you know, this is the critique. This is what intersectionality is, you know, Mm -hmm, of that. mm -hmm. It's not just white middle-class women who get to be the benefits of feminism. It's all women, including trans women. It's like, you know, everyone from every experience gets to benefit from feminism. And that, yeah, exactly. Like you being raised up on the shoulders of other women is not useful. It's everyone together. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's an amazing point and just speaks to the failure of like pop culture to continue to think like, oh, it's a feminist thing because one woman is the lead and like chooses her destiny. So that's what feminism is. Whereas like it's there's still, it's like, oh, well, there's only one woman in this movie, so we're not winning yet. Very good point. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, it's like that, um, the Gina Davis Institute um, Mm -hmm. has a statistic Mm -hmm. about, I mean, they have a bunch that are amazing and horrifying, but there's something crazy about um, the number of women in a crowd scene in any given movie, including animated films, is like 30%. So, like, even when an animator is drawing a world from scratch, There's it will less be mostly women. populated by men. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's fair in the sense when you think that most art has been created by men, and they're just and you painting see yourself the world as they see it. Exactly. Yeah. In the same way that I'm not trying to write about men's experiences right. in my songs. I'm writing about womanhood and feminism and my own life and mm-hmm. whatever. And that's art reflects your own experience and that's fine which is why the point is to have everyone from every walk of life especially more women making art so that it will just naturally balance the skills um a really good friend of mine um is working on a screenplay that I was reading he's an amazing person he's a feminist and I was talking we were talking about it and I was like this is amazing but just FYI, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, which mm-hmm. it doesn't have to. You can have an excellent film not pass the Bechdel <laughs> sure. test, you know, but just be aware. A point. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, I didn't even notice. And it's like, 
Just and we're like, just throw, let's just throw some women in there, you yeah. know, just yeah. spicing it up, just sprinkle a few women in there, you know, it's no big deal. They yeah. don't, you know, and it was just like a funny, and even it's just like, and again, it's nothing. I, I think eventually we'll get to the point where men don't have to like be super stressed, like, am I equally representing gender in this? Because it'll just be like enough women also are making movies that exactly. naturally represent right. women. Like, that we will take control of that. Because I sense some people getting frustrated, like does every piece of art I make have to be a mm-hmm. perfect pie chart of every demographic? Right. Like, is that really my job? And it's like, well, no. But yeah. if you're the gatekeeper, open the gate and let people from the pie chart make their own shit that will right. naturally represent them and that will fix it, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my friend and I also last night were commiserating over our um, insecurity over the fact that we are, because we, like, write and direct some stuff together, that we're two white women who are doing this. And, like... Do we even need white women doing more shit right now? You know, and I mean, like, it okay, but we're women, so like maybe that's enough, like to just like push our like woman's perspective. But I mean, I think, I think I've read that you struggle with this about like being a straight white woman in a marriage with a guy, mm-hmm. and that's what your songwriting is yeah. about. And how yeah. do you like broaden that? Yeah, you know? and how I'm not trying to like. Um, you know, like, promote such a, like, trite convention. I'm not trying to be like, marriage works, people, you know, (laughs) between a man and a woman. You know, I'm, like, not trying to sell this or glamorize it. It's just... But if you write from your own experience and that's your experience... Yeah, and it's really hard to want to say, well, I'm not going to do that for the sake of wanting to artificially almost promote something that, as an idea, is great, but it's not my experience. experience. And Mm -hmm. being an artist, you have to... You know, do both. And my issue with marriage is that I, as an idea, I disagree with it. (laughs) Like it's just like a property transfer contract, and I'm the property. Uh huh. So not a huge fan. Um, Patrick and I tried off, tried out, um, just partner, just being life partners. Yeah. And it just got so exhausting explaining to people and nobody understanding. And I, and this was the conversation I was able to have with like people in my life when, because you know I come from a very religious community Mm -hmm. about you know the gay marriage debate and they're like why can't they just have domestic partnership marriage is like sacred why do they have to have that and I'd be like I as a straight couple like how exhausting and like demoralizing it is to try and convey the weight and significance Mm -hmm. of your love when you can't call it marriage Mm -hmm. marriage is is the like is the cream of the crop it's like the platonic form of to people in a relationship and if you can't have that word no one will give you the respect that everyone else gets mm-hmm. and so it and there might be something wrong with that but exactly, that's a different issue exactly and so rather than undoing that it's easier to just that's let so everyone get married so yeah, for the power of a word man. exactly yeah. so that literally eroded us from calling each other life partners to finally getting married because it was just too exhausting to be like no we're really serious like we're not trying to like dodge commitment or whatever yeah like I it didn't it got too tiring and then after that we didn't get wedding rings because I just thought one more thing of the (laughs) convention that I don't need and people would not believe we were married they'd be like yeah right you're just trying to you know what I mean and they'd be like where's the ring I'd be like what do you what is wrong with people like I need to go around with my contract like see I'm married I'm married but then it's like is this the hill I want to die on or should I just wear a wedding ring and never have to talk about this again I have made this I have made these little compromises in so many areas 
first with marriage, then with getting a ring, mm-hmm. and now finally with shaving my armpits. Oh. Why? I just shave them now because I got... You don't s- want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about Why? it anymore. Why? people asking you Yeah, about it? it just was, like, so distracting to right. people and whatever, and I was just, like, for, like, 10 years, I didn't shave my armpits, and I hate shaving them, and I love armpit hair, and I'm very fascinated by people's, like, visceral response to women's body hair yeah. of, like, revulsion. Yeah. Ooh, can but I tell you an anecdote yeah, that I yeah. read about this morning? I read this profile of Jenny Slate in Vulture. Yeah. And she was talking about how she was still uncomfortable with the word. Mm -hmm. She's, yeah, I'm obsessed. So she was still uncomfortable with the word feminist when she signed on to Obvious Child. Mm -hmm. And she went for a costume fitting with Gabby Hoffman. And when Jenny Slate got there, she apologized to Gabby for having a big bush that day. And she said Gabby was not having it. And she just said very seriously back to her, oh, I didn't know that was something we're supposed to apologize for. Yeah. And then Jenny Slate was like, that's when I realized I needed to check myself Great. and figure this out. Think Whoa. about that. Yeah. That, was, that was probably like five years ago or so. And feminism was in a different state of consciousness, I would say. Like, yeah, it was starting like to... Like ubiquitous, sort of like everyone is understanding what it means. I have and... noticed that change mm-hmm. slowly taking place. When I was in college almost 10 years ago now, uh, as a philosophy major, I I studied like... Um, I didn't do like any gender studies or, or, f- or anything. I just did like analytic philosophy, rationalism, mm-hmm. like continental philosophy. And I always felt like... I kept saying, like, I'm a powerful person. I'm a powerful woman. Like, I don't need feminism. I don't care about it. Uh Um, And it wasn't until actually Patrick and I got married and I'd been out of school on my own, I just started to notice, like, once I became an adult human in the world out of the bubble of, like, where, you know, my, like, safety net, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I need this. Um, I started to notice it. And um, and I, I would notice people rejecting the the mantle of feminism publicly who are now openly right. feminists. And it was the same thing that I had where it's like it almost felt like a crutch. Like if you said, I'm a feminist, you're saying like I'm mistreated in the world. Right. And it's like it's not that. It's just these little tiny things like these erosions of your personhood mm-hmm. that gets so exhausting that you finally need to put a name on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I shave my armpits now. Yeah. Just circle back. I just got too, because I'd think we play a show. What do I want people's takeaway to be? Yeah. The yeah. music or yeah. that I didn't shave? And it's just totally. as empowering to say, I want the discussion to be different. I don't want that to take away. And so I'm going to shave my armpits. Yeah, I don't care. It's not about mm-hmm. the fact that I, mm-hmm. you know, have armpit hair or not. It's about what do I want to, what's important. Mm-hmm. And so it's just exactly. as great to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, right on. I have a I have a very silly, just a lyric question <laughs> from Modern Woman. Yeah. Who's Kate? Okay, no one's asked this yet, but Ooh, I've been slowly it's... getting into it anyway. She knows who she is. She's like one of my you explain best friends Kate, of my Kate, life. The, this is the lyric that begins the song. Mm-hmm. Kate, Kate. Uh, yeah, I wanna. It's what well. The, the first lyric is uh, well. I I don't know if she'll ever hear this podcast. I. Don't know if I want her to hear about it this way, but it's fine. Let's just because it's she'll know when she hears the song anyway. But it's it's Kate. I'm so afraid you'll hate me. I think I might have made it true. She was my roommate. We shared a bedroom, like two mattresses on the floor next to each other for uh, I think almost two years. We worked Whoa. together. We were very, very, very close. And um, anyway, we had a falling out. Our friendship just like the bottom fell out of it. Um, over something external from mm-hmm. us. 
not between us, but mm-hmm. outside of us. And um, I don't really know what happened. Our lives were crazy, and it just never was resolved. Mm-hmm. And it's pained me all of these years. Not, I've, I'm not one to just cycle through friends or lose friends. Yeah. And that Have was been really rough touch? for me. Mm-hmm. We haven't spoken since then. And it was the year our band started. Wow. Wow. So it's been like eight years since we've spoken. Can you, like, you don't, not here, don't do, you know, tell us, but can you articulate in your mind what it was that happened? Like, is it something that is worth there being this gulf between you or? I can't explain it. It's, it's convoluted it's and things. bizarre and like situational. And um, oh, wow. anyway, but. I was sitting in a coffee shop writing other songs for this record and some mutual friends who are still in touch with her came up to me and they're like, oh, Kate's moving back to Denver. And I was like, (gasps) like my stomach flipped and I felt like, oh my God, oh my God, I might be like bumping into her on the street and I haven't seen her in so long and she's just like out there in the world and I don't even talk to her and it was like so much pain and emotion that I had to like get up and leave and as I was walking back home from the coffee shop that whole song all the lyrics everything came to me and I ran home and I grabbed my guitar and I wrote the whole thing wow. that day and that's wow. the song. What a moment. I'm smiling only because this serves my theory that female friendships are the best stories. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like the most I like heartbreak, love, Absolutely. drama, like mm-hmm. it's there's nothing like it. It's just a kind of closeness that you really it's that you can't approximate in yeah. any other way and yeah, I mean, when I wrote the song, I was like, one day maybe she'll hear it, she'll understand what I'm trying to say, and I'm she'll sh- reach I'm out. Yeah. Mad. Oh, wow. I'm so, excited for that moment. Will you tell moment. us about that? Yeah, if that that's yeah, just true. Well. we'll update everyone. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she and I can both do this podcast, yes, and we'll come back. And oh, my God. We'll yeah. host the reconciliation. Love that. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, I have a question about the name of the album. Yeah. How come it's yours conditionally and not unconditionally? Um, because I think a healthy concept of any relationship has boundaries and conditions. <laughs> and Patrick okay. and I were talking about that when we, for our, like, marriage vows, we were like, we don't want to make any of these, like, through whatever and whatever, through, like, every <laughs> conceivable thing, we're never going to break up. Right. And we're like, not only is that impossible, but it's, like, unhealthy. Yeah. Like, what if you become a drug addict? Right. You know, what if you become abusive? Yeah. What if I bankrupt us? That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't stay with me. What if I go, I get all these credit cards, I bankrupt us, we ruin lose our, our lives. lives, I ruin us financially, and you just have to stick by my side. That's stupid. So we didn't make any of those promises. We also didn't make any um, temporal boundary, like forever or until mm-hmm. we die or whatever mm-hmm. either, because I don't think that that's fair either. Um, we think that a good marriage should be about the quality of your years together, not the quantity of years together. That's like not succeeding in my mind. So yours conditionally was our first, like, we're like, Mm. it'd be so funny to like sign a love letter or whatever, like, you know, yours conditionally because I have a healthy sense of boundaries and self. Yeah, exactly. Um, But then it also, um, we felt like it also reflected on our, relationship to the music industry our relationship mm-hmm. to tennis like as yeah. a project because we were as long as it works for you it'll keep going yeah as long as it's see. healthy as yeah. long as it's fulfilling us as long as we can carve out some space for ourselves and feel you know you know what I mean and we we were just feeling like um I I, I felt sort of like we're I was being like eroded away um by the demands of just like how you're supposed to be in a band, what you're supposed to want, what you're supposed to do. 
and that was exhausting and like not why I got into it. And um, we were just rethinking a lot of things and yours conditionally felt like the mantra of it all. It sums it up, yeah. That's the raddest answer ever. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so the album is out. It's fucking awesome. Thank you. Congrats. Yeah, I can't so, stop listening. So, so good. Love it. Yeah. Um, you guys are on tour now for how long? Uh, this is the end of it, actually. Tonight oh, is our last oh, show for... Um, but then you're going out with Spoon, right? We are. We have 10 days off, which I really need. I'm so... <laughs> my voice is so shredded right now. I'm yeah. taking steroids currently oh, to like, get through yeah. these last two days. What are you excited home. for on your time off? I'm going to be... It's totally silent. I'm just going to not speak and not use my voice, which is going to be amazing. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to finish watching Friends, which I've started oh, for the first time in my life. Whoa. Never seen a single episode. Oh my God. I'm like seven seasons in already. I'm going to go home. I'm going to finish Friends. I'm going to do yoga every day. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, that's all that I'm going to do. Yeah. Perfect. Are you guys like doing Kevin. festivals this summer? We're playing Coachella um, and we're still like figuring out what else is coming up there, yeah. but You'll yeah. be out and about. Yeah, we'll be out and about. People can go find you. Amazing. And find your album immediately, guys. Immediately. immediately. <laughs> it's so good. Yours conditionally by Tennis. <laughs> Elena, thank you so much thank for you. this. Thank you. This was, this really, was awesome. really nice. Ladies don't play guitar. Ladies don't get down, down to the sound. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.